The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to the Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the beginning of Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount. He kicks it off with the Beatitudes. And I think the Beatitudes are something we hear a lot. We might even remember the songs singing about the Beatitudes, but they are rather mysterious. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Like rather mysterious sayings. And we can't get into all of them here tonight. But they are worth reflecting on. I forgot my catechism, I confess. Because I meant to preach at least one number of the catechism every time I get up here and I left it in the car. (laughs) So I'll have to pick it up tomorrow. So one way of understanding the Beatitudes is that they are a portrait of the heart of God. They give us an insight into the standards that Jesus has. And if you notice, they're very different from the world's standards. Because the world would not say, blessed or happy are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Happy are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. These aren't worldly standards. And this is why they're challenging. This is why they're thought-provoking. And we really can't just simply decide to be like this. It's not just a simple choice. If it were that simple, the world would look a lot different. So this kind 
of interior life, this kind of thought, this kind of uh, desire, you might say, this kind of behavior doesn't just happen. But it's a work of grace. It's a work of grace, which is to say it's a work of God. And it happens the more that we hang out with God. How many of you watch The Chosen now? Let's see a show of hands. How many watch The Chosen? Okay. Well, that's your homework if you're not watching it. Watch The Chosen. (laughs) I realize that they take some artistic liberties, okay? Get over it. (laughs) Get over it, seriously. Because the way they portray Jesus is very good. It's very good. He happens to be Catholic, Jonathan Rumi. I had a chance to meet him in Phoenix a couple months ago. I didn't get a chance to really hang out with him, but at least I shook his hand, I said hi, and I certainly appreciate his efforts, that's for sure. And the beginning of season three, I rewatched it today when I was working out. That's what I watch when I work out, The Chosen. And it's really beautiful, really, really well done. The beginning of season three, episode one, it's Jesus preaching his Sermon on the Mount. And it actually brought me to tears while I was working out. It's not the best thing to do, perhaps, when you're working out, because sometimes it happens, right? But it literally brought me to tears. Maybe it had something to do with the ministry I was involved in this morning because I had some intense prayer ministry. That could be. But it was like the Lord comforting me. Because we all need to be comforted. You know, there's a part of us that wants to believe all these things and wants to act in this way. And then we bump up against the world. And the standards of the world. So there's a clash. And I'm sure you all feel that. Especially if you're here at Mass. Because let's face it. Maybe one in five Catholics are here at Mass on a regular basis. So if you're trying. If you're trying to connect with God like you're all doing here tonight. You probably really feel a clash. An attention between what you're striving to do and the world. So that's okay. That doesn't mean you're weird. That means the world is really weird. <laughs> but that's hard. That's hard. So I, I want to sympathize with you. I want to empathize with you. It is hard to be a Christian today. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. And God knows it's hard. Jesus knows it's hard. So he wants to help. He wants to help. And that's the grace at work in our lives. And you can be sure, whatever little effort you make, he honors it. He honors it. Sometimes... You know, because we're all free and he honors our human freedom. 
The circumstances around us don't change. And that's hard. I'm sure we would all like, you know, our circumstances to be different in certain ways. We would like, I don't know, you name it, right? Any particular circumstance, be it political or business or educational, we would like it to be different. It's not. And we can pray for the conversion of sinners. We should pray for the conversion of hearts. But the Lord wants to start right here at home with all of us. He wants to give you his peace. He wants to give you his love, his knowledge, his wisdom, his patience, his mercy. So at least we can start there. He wants to start there. Today's second reading, I wanted to Yeah. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians. God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. Again, the logic of the gospel is not the logic of the world. God chose the lowly and despised of the world, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something, so that no human being might boast before God. It is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus. This is really important. I know it may not sound important, but it's important. It is due to him, to God, in his action, his will, that you are in Christ Jesus. You've all been baptized into Christ. You're now a member of the body of Christ. He did that. He wanted to do that. Who also became for us wisdom from God as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that, as it is written, whoever boasts should boast in the Lord, who has done these things for you and for me. And, and, and so as we go to prayer, as we need to do, we need to take all of this to prayer. All of the tension, all of the conflict, all of the struggles, take them to prayer. That's where we win these battles with our own broken human nature and with the people around us. We win the battles in prayer. I got to go on a little retreat last weekend. And through a roundabout way, the Holy Spirit brought me to Exodus 14, 14. It's easy for a football player to remember. Exodus 14, 14. It's a tie game. Two touchdowns apiece, right? And who's playing in Exodus 14, 14? What two teams are playing? Not the Lions and the Packers, sorry. What two teams are playing in Exodus 14, 14? The Israelites and the, and the Egyptians. And they're like on the goal line. It's a goal line stand. 
And the Israelites are panicking. And they cry out to their coach. Who's the coach of the Israelites? Moses, right. And they're like, hey, were there not enough graves in Egypt? He had to bring us out here to die? Because what's happening? The Egyptians are closing in with their chariots. They can probably hear the chariots off in the distance. And they're all thinking to themselves, we are going to die real soon. And what what does Moses say? It's classic. Verse 14. He says, the Lord is going to fight for you. Verse 15. You have nothing to do but wait. So counterintuitive, right? People want to grab whatever they can probably to fight back. They want to run. They want to surrender. And the coach calls the play. Stand and wait. So counterintuitive. And what does God do? God is faithful. And he fights for them. He parts the sea. They go through the sea. The Egyptians follow into the sea. And what does God do? He closes the sea in on them. And the Israelites win. Woohoo! God fought for them. The battle belonged to the Lord. But they had to be meek. They had to be humble. Scripture says of Moses that he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. That's a pretty good title. I would take that title on my tombstone. The meekest man on the face of the earth. Which meant he was not vengeful. He was not self-reliant in an ungodly way. He trusted in the Lord. Not perfectly. But that was pretty good. I'm sure that was a hard call to, that was a hard play to call. That was a hard play to call. Let's just wait right here. Let's just wait on the Lord right here. But it worked. It worked. So I think therein lies a lesson for all of us. We can go back to that first beatitude then. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to have that peace, if you want to have that confidence, if you want to know that you are loved and that you are wanted and you are safe and that the Lord is fighting for you, it does take a little bit of poverty of spirit, which is to stay humility and confidence in God, trusting God. And that's a grace. Again, we got to work all of this out in prayer. None of this comes naturally. Do you think that was a natural reaction to just stand there and wait while the chariots are closing in on you? Of course not. Of course not. Is God asking of us certain things that are really hard, that are counterintuitive, that are countercultural? Yeah, He is. But I think he's really inviting us to wait with great expectation. With great expectation that he is at work. He is making a way. Even if it seems mysterious at times. Even if it's painful. 
because sometimes it is. But he's there in the middle of it all. He has not abandoned us. He is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is alive in us, in each and every one of us. He is alive, wanting to live out his resurrected life through us and with us and in us. And so let's pray that we can be bold in our prayer. Let's be honest and let's get real with God in our prayer. Let's not sugarcoat it, but let's get real. Let's be humble. Let's be meek. And as we are transformed like that, you can be sure that we will be more powerful than ever in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.